Welcome to this special JustCast series about the upcoming Reclosure 2021 conference. We're going to have a brief conversation with our speakers, asking them some questions about their life and job to get to know them better. Today with us is Paula Giron. Paula is Technical Leader Closureista, Semantic Webstress at Cisco. <laughs> Paula is giving a talk at Reclosure this year. Hi Paula, how are you today? I'm well, thank you, Renzo. Fantastic. So, nice. let me starting by asking you like a very important question. What is your favorite pizza topping? Um, I don't have any one individual um, thing. It would be the combination. Um, maybe I should say anchovies. Okay. Well, that, that's, that's an original one and uh, we never heard that. Um, very good. And now like for a little bit more serious question, how did you get into computers and uh, what is exciting for you about software and technology? Well, I was first interested in computers as a child. I, I love the idea of mechanized thinking, um, but computers weren't common when I was young and it was very difficult to get access to them. So I built up this expectation of uh, how exciting they would be when I finally got to use one. So when I got there and I discovered that it wasn't about mechanized thinking, then I was already had so much expectation around it. I was so excited that, you know, it, it didn't really let me down much. I was really already, um, I'd already developed this, this intense interest in them. And, uh, uh, you know, years later when I was doing my degree and I started learning about neural networks, that, that brought some of that magic back where you don't necessarily know what the computer is going to give you, but it's, um, it can do more than you could necessarily do on your own. Um, it, it was that like, um, a long ago, like, like even before starting your career, I guess, right? Oh, well, I, I submitted my thesis uh, on Hopfield neural networks, which is a kind of uh, convolutional neural network um, back in, I think, 1993. So uh, that was reasonably early in the development of neural nets. Yeah, I think I had uh, like, a, I have one book uh, that is uh, from like early 90s about neural networks. And I think I bought it because it was uh, very new at the time. Um, but I wasn't up to the math at the point. So I kind of started reading it and abandoned it. And um, you have a computer science hero you would like to have lunch or drinks with. And what would you ask to them? Um, most of my heroes are, are uh, historical. And so they're not available to have a drinks with. Um, I've always been most impressed with people who have developed ideas from first principles. And so, you know, I've looked up to Grace Hopper, um, Alan Turing, Ada Lovelace, people who didn't have a, uh, a long history to draw on. Um, but today, I, I suppose if I had the opportunity, I'd love to meet Donald Knut. I, and I honestly, I'm, I wouldn't have a specific question. Uh, I would 
really just prefer to have a conversation, learn what what interests somebody like that and, um, you know, what drives them uh, and just to, I, I like having conversations with people and, and getting to know them better. Totally agree. Um, uh, I was thinking maybe we should invite uh, Donald um, maybe to the next conference and see if we can get him and have an interview. Maybe you can interview him. <laughs> we'll see. Um, do you have a favorite piece of software? That's a difficult question. Um, I think the one that most appealed to me was the story of the blackjack game that was described in the story of Mel, which is in the jargon file. Um, it was published as the New Hacker's Dictionary by MIT Press. Um, mm. uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this story. No, I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm taking notes so I can put it in the show notes. I have a link for it. It's a, um, it was written as a piece of prose that was published on uh, Usenet back in the 80s. Um, and it describes a system which was, uh, uh, it, it was a blackjack game that was used as a demonstration on some hardware in perhaps the early 70s. Uh, and in those days, having the hardware was very simple and you needed to talk directly to it and be aware of the uh, all of the mechanical attributes of your machine, uh, how the instructions worked, how they interacted with things like uh, the hard drive, or in this case, it was a drum. Uh, and this describes... Uh, the, the little bit of uh, prose describes how uh, Mel was able to do things like ensuring that by the time one instruction had finished, that the next instruction had come around to being uh, immediately after uh, the, the drum head, uh, uh, immediately before the, um, the head that was reading the drum so that you could get to it immediately. And that's the, the most optimal position for a uh, for an instruction to appear. But if he needed a delay, he could put one at the position which was immediately after the head, so he'd have to wait a rotation. And that was what he would call the pessimal position, and that would help him get delays in his code when he needed to slow something down. Um, <laughs> that's a true hacker story. Exactly. Uh, so little tricks like this. Anyway, the um, the person who wrote the poem is a um, didn't really know Mel uh, particularly well, I don't think. But they described how Mel left, and they were asked to um, make a modification to the software that Mel had written. And it had, so they tried to reverse engineer how it worked, and it um, had a loop in it that didn't have any condition. Um, instruction in it. It only had a jump instruction and so it was it should have uh, looped forever and yet it never did. Huh. Um, and I think people should read it if they want to understand exactly uh, how it worked but uh, it it was such a uh, when he finally figured out what Mel had done he decided that this was uh, a thing of beauty and could not be touched and he reported to his employer that he couldn't do it. Very interesting, really. Um, if you uh, could change one thing about software, 
what that could be. One thing. Um, it would be nice to see open source developers recognized more. I see that uh, organizations like Cognitech have been pushing hard for that, uh, and they're encouraging people to remunerate others who, who build things that we use. Um, that would be nice. But from a technical perspective, um, I like software that's very declarative. Uh, that makes a, the reliability centralized. Um, and so I, I like things like functional programming or logic programming where uh, you declare what you want rather than explain how you should go about accomplishing it. Um, so I think we're incrementally moving in that direction anyway. Um, all software iterates on what it needs to be, uh, and I'm happy with that process. So I'm not sure that I, I would want to change a lot about anything. Well, okay, that's fine. And how did you get involved with Clojure? Well, I'd already been attracted to functional programming by learning uh, SICP, the MIT course on um, Structure and Interpretation of Computer Programs. Uh, that introduced me to Scheme. And while I wasn't writing in Lisp, I was bringing a lot of those principles to the development that I had been doing, which was originally in Java, but then I started moving more into languages like Clojure, sorry, like Scala. Um, and I was specializing in semantic web work and uh, took on a new role with the company Revolitics, which was working in the semantic web at the time. And they were using, principally using Clojure. So that was my opportunity to, to pick it up. That was back in 2010. Mm -hmm. Oh, quite, like quite early in the story of uh, foreclosure then. Well, it was a company full of very smart people and they had, uh, a number of them had decided that Clojure was the language to work with. And um, what are your favorite things about Clojure? I think one of the compelling elements of the language is the literal syntax for the built-in data types, like sets and maps. Uh, I think that sets it apart from uh, from a number of other languages where uh, these things are, are typically uh, accessed through APIs on on the data. Uh, a really egregious example there is in Java, uh, but having just a literal syntax, it's become a part of the language. Uh, so we use vectors when we're declaring functions, for instance. Uh, lists, of course, abound, and the entire language is defined in it. But we have um, maps appearing everywhere, for instance, in Meta. Um, so, you know, having this built into the language, I think, uh, is allows for uh, a lot more of that declarativeness that I was referring to earlier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you have a favorite closure function? Uh, I, I don't know. I think <laughs> I think I like the keep function, maybe because not everybody seems to be aware of it. Mm. Uh, we map all the time, but uh, you know, often I want to map and, and filter out the things which aren't interesting. And uh, keep really does fill that niche for me. Um, I 
I'm a little frustrated that it doesn't accept um, uh, multiple seeks. And I have a mm. variation of keep that I use that, that does exactly that. Um, and, I mean, you can always pipe it through a filter, not pipe it, but um, uh, thread it into a filter. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I tend to use the, uh, uh, I tend to use the internal mechanisms for that sort of thing instead. Mm -hmm. well, very good choice. I think it's um, a quite original choice. Okay, so um, I'm going a little bit more philosophical now in terms of questions and uh, moving out of, from technology into other sides of your uh, life, perhaps. Um, what is your idea of perfect happiness? Um, success for my family. I have three children. Uh, you know, being with them makes me happy. Uh, seeing them happy and successful is really my my goal. So, family. Uh, of course. Yeah. Um, and I mean, in general, and I think my my own children have led me more to this. But you know, um, helping young people, uh, children especially, but helping young people to do the best in setting themselves up for their best futures. I really enjoy tutoring and teaching and and seeing people, you know, either teens or uh, early career, uh, like learning something and, and getting ahead with that. That that brings me a great deal of pleasure. Uh, is any of your children into computers yet? None of them. Oh, okay. Are you happy about it or...? <laughs> Well, I would have been able to share more with them if they were, but I want each of them to be their own people, and I'm glad that they are. Yeah, I mean, I agree. There are other, there are definitely many other things one can be interested in, but I'm definitely happy with mine. Uh, for example, when we, we can, I can teach them a little bit of maybe Python. I did a little bit of Lisp as well to uh, drive... Um, uh, Minecraft. So that is one of the entry point, like using, doing a little bit of game automation. And that seems to be uh, interesting for them. So hopefully, you know, one day, maybe <laughs> they will be. Like, I have tried this, but it hasn't appealed to them. They do enjoy Minecraft, or they have in the past. Maybe, uh, I don't know. In a few years, they, they are always changing. So maybe that will change for them as well. And, um, where would you most like to live uh, if it's not already the place where you live now? Hmm. Um, I would like to live on the water, uh, on a coastline. But uh, I typically, for most places I know of, I, I can't afford that. Uh, I would love a place on the beach, um, probably at the, the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia, where I'm from. Uh, I, I'm not from the Sunshine Coast myself, but I, uh, uh, I visited there frequently. And my parents now have a place out there, but I've never seen it. Mm. So it's a, it's a very potential uh, or very possible maybe in the future. Um, I doubt it, <laughs> but you never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Um, so we are toward the end of the interview. Um, but before we close, um, can you maybe give us a little 
introduction about your talk? Um, I have found that uh, many people who are discussing graph databases in Clojure, uh, whether it be Datomic or DataScript, um, DataLuven or um, XTDB, these, uh, the, when querying these systems, they're referring to the query language as data log. And I know that some earlier talks, uh, I've tracked them down to Stu Holloway. I'm uh, presuming that Rich also said it. Um, some earlier talks about um, Datomic referred to the query language as a, um, as a type of data log. And I disagree with that assertion. Um, while there are shared semantics with data log, and you know, from that perspective, we can look at it that way. There are divergences between what data log describes and what it offers and what these query languages have in them. Um, also, data log does include a syntax, and the syntax that we see in Clojure graph databases looks nothing like that. Um, so I wanted to have a discussion about uh, what the differences are, uh, how the syntax from data log match, maps into what we see in Clojure databases, and um, what the differences in semantics are, uh, what uh, data log expects to see that, that systems like Datomic don't have, and also um, what systems like Datomic provide that data log doesn't expect. Um, because there are, it, it does have extensions over the basic data log description. So um, I thought a description of what these differences are um, might inform people both in, in terms of the, um, this wider applicability of data log to the database world um, and also by having a clear, coherent description of what data log is and how these databases relate to it, um, I feel that we have um, better tools with which to uh, describe where to take it in future or what the, what the possibilities are with, with these languages. Very interesting. Um, and, you know, it might always inform uh, current, like the, the current implementation of data log in these databases, maybe to improve for what was left out from the original data log. So it's always very good to know, I guess. Yeah. Um, there have been a lot of changes uh, since data log was first discussed in the, in the 1980s. Um, a lot of things which weren't considered feasible back then are now regularly implemented in databases. Other things which it considered important are not uh, uh, often not supported in many databases or they take a lot of extra work. So it's interesting to explore these differences. Agreed. I'm looking forward to, to that. And um, is there anything we forgot uh, that we you would like to add? No, not especially. Um, thank you for inviting me. Ah, absolutely. My pleasure. Um, thanks, Paula. Uh, it, was really a pleasure to talk with you and uh, again looking forward to your talk and uh, have a very nice day thank you very much and to you too Renzo.